But that's a good look for you. <laughs> you can wear a lampshade anytime you want. I wore my flamingo shirt out of spite. <laughs> Thanks, Lori. Thanks for that. Got, got some laughs. So, so we're gonna show. We were trying to figure out a way to show this uh, this video that I took of Mercy, my three-year-old, uh, opening the door to let our dog out the other morning, and she saw the snow, and she's like, "It's still winter," and she screams at the snow to go away. This like blood-curdling, awful cat screech. And it's really funny, it's really cute, but uh, this weather, who's like, it's just getting on their nerves. <laughs> yes. Just, yeah, just, the, the other morning I just woke up, I was like, oh, come on, come on. I know some of you are sad about the snow melting, but, yeah, anyway. So this morning, I just, uh, I'd like to tell a story. It's from Mark, as we're kind of approaching into Easter. Uh, next, next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and the Easter Sunday after that is Easter Sunday. And this story is really an interesting one and a really, uh, I don't know, like a personal one. When I was writing it, I, I, I didn't see it at first until after. Maybe by the end of the story, you'll, you'll understand where I'm coming from. But all you need to just kind of imagine that you're, you're on a boat. So if you, if you need to, like, if you're, if you're well-conditioned now and you need to, like, rock around or move and have that feeling, that's fine. You can do that. You can use your imaginations. But you're on a boat, and the boat is kind of heading quickly towards the shore, and I, and I imagine it's kind of a rough day. It's kind of a choppy day. It's not a gliding day. It's not a nice, a nice day. You're kind of bobbing up and down. And you're in the boat with the 12 of the disciples and Jesus. And Jesus is at the back. I think he liked being at the back, so he's probably there. And, and everyone's kind of half bellies full because the boat has actually left from the shores near the Decapolis where they had just had the feeding of the 4,000. And they were out in the wilderness for three days and they ate this bread, and they're probably a little bit tired, and a little bit groggy, a little bit grumpy, and Jesus is like, it's just another impromptu mission where Jesus is like, let's get in the boat, and let's go to the other side. And so there's 12 men, and Jesus are there, and the boat's kind of like bouncing on the shore, churning through the waves. You can hear the surge of the water passing through, and then all of a sudden you hear Peter's voice, and he's like, land, brace for land, and you kind of, the boat runs up against the shore. Very typical day. The disciples are kind of half Half not with it, they step out of the boat, and no sooner again did they put their feet on the sandy shore, but another crowd meets them. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd meeting him. But this crowd is a little bit different than others. This crowd is like almost rushing towards Jesus. And at the front of this crowd are the Pharisees in their black, their black robes with their shawls and their head coverings and their long beards to show their wisdom. But they're not kind-looking. These Pharisees have passion and rage and red faces and clenched fists, and they're marching towards Jesus with determination and purpose. And the moment Jesus kind of gets out of the boat to greet them, they look at Jesus and they say, Prove it. Show us a sign. Prove that you are who you say you are, Jesus of Nazareth. Give us a sign like Elijah. Give us a sign like Moses. Show us that you're working for God. They're not interested in seeing a sign. Jesus had just fed another multitude. And they weren't asking for necessarily a miracle. They were asking for like kind of a cosmic sign from the heavens. 
something that would definitively show that Jesus is working on behalf of God, and they, they, they were assuming that Jesus wasn't being able to do it, so they could finally catch Jesus for who he is, a fraud. And as this crowd is surging around, and the Pharisees at the front of the crowd, I can just imagine their, their aggression, they're just kind of slowly pushing Jesus closer and closer to the lake with their body language. And the crowd that's around is kind of waiting, what is Jesus going to do? What's going to happen next? And then Mark says something interesting. This is not the first time that Mark uses these words. Jesus, like, I can just imagine, like, kind of hunched over, fists, like, tight, eyes closed, and he just lets out a deep, guttural groan. And the word used in the Greek is, like, deep, welling up, frustration, uh, passion, a little, maybe a little bit of anger. Why do you demand a sign? Why does this generation, this generation demand a sign? You want a sign, but you're not going to get it. You want a sign? Jesus says, I'm not even going to give you a hint of a sign that you're looking for. And the Pharisees stand stunned, shocked, bewildered, angered, frustrated, Interesting enough, this is the, really the last major confrontation that Jesus and the Pharisees have in Mark until they meet up again in Jerusalem. This is a turning point in Mark's story. They come at him. Jesus says, you're not getting what you ask for. Jesus outfoxes out them again. And they leave frustrated. And Jesus says to the disciples, let's get back in the boat. They pop back in the boat. They push that boat out into that kind of, I imagine the rocky, the rocky sea, and they start sailing back, and someone's like, where are we going? Jesus is like, let's just, let's just go. They're actually headed towards Dalmathua, a little ways up the coast. And as they're going, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, look, you need to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees. You need to be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, and the Herod followers. Their yeast is toxic. It's corrupted. It will lead to disaster. Beware. And then, Peter's like, oh yeah, speaking of leaven, I'm hungry. Who, who brought the bread? Now, Mark doesn't say who, who it is, but it's, it's always Peter. It's got to be Peter. He's the loud mouth. He's always talking. It's got to be Peter who gets this conversation. He's like, I'm starving. He's got the hand on the rudder, one maybe rope, hand on the rope. Who brought the bread? Who, who's got lunch? Andrew, throw me the lunch. Andrew's like, I don't have the lunch. That's Philip's job. Philip's like, why should I bring the lunch? Andrew's like, you always bring the lunch. Well, I don't want to bring the lunch this time. Why should it just be me? I'm not your mother. Who, who has food? Well, I don't have food. Bartholomew's like, I don't, I don't have anything. All, these, all the other guys are just kind of rocking in this boat. Jesus in the back. I'm hungry. John's like, okay. I, John's become my favorite. He reaches into his pack. He's like, I got a loaf, one loaf of bread. We can share it. John's a nice guy. Peter's like, I'm not sharing with anybody. I'm starving. Give it to me. Why should you get it? We're all hungry. We're all starving. And on and on they go, and they're arguing. Now, in order to really get this... I, I need your participation. You're all staring at me blankly. This is where it, I, I'm reminded that I'm a father of three, and we had a late night last night coming back from Hamilton. 
Lo and behold, we're in the car, and what happens? The moment we get in the car and we're on the highway, my kids start to do what? Fight. They start fighting. I'm hungry. Judy had two cheeseburgers. They're not getting you anything. I'm hungry. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm fighting. She's touching my blanket. Just feed her on my... So what I need you to do is to argue with each other. Just for like 10 seconds. Just, and don't be nice. I know some of you are family. Some of you are married. Lean into that experience. Argue. No, 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 no. There's way too much laughing going on. This is way too jolly and happy. Like, really? You're hangry? You're tired? You're hungry? Try again. You guys are, this church is just too nice. You guys are too nice. I, this is, this is, Mark says it like this, and I, I, he doesn't use inflection, he doesn't use descriptive words, he doesn't use adjectives, but I cannot help but see this story playing out like this. Jesus is in the back, he's frustrated, he's worked up, he's been charged at, and his head is in his hands, and he's like, why? Why? Why are you fighting about bread? Because we're hungry. <laughs> why are you fighting about bread? bread. He's the rabbi. He's the eldest. I imagine all the other men just kind of quiet down. They're listening to the rabbi. Jesus says, how many baskets were left over when I fed the 5,000? 12. How many baskets were left over when I fed the 4,000? Seven. Don't you get it? Don't you see Well, Peter calls out, land! The boat that they're in, for the second time that day, runs up against the shore. He's like, oh, look, it's, it's Bethsaida. We're now in Bethsaida, my hometown. And, and, and to get a glimpse of this, there's fishing boats all over the place. The smell of fish is in the air. There's baskets and bushels and people and fishermen. The name Bethsaida actually means house of the hunt or house of the fish. And so they land on the shore. And for the second time that day, they land on the shore. For the second time that day, they put their feet on the shore. For the second time that day, they're met by a crowd. But this time the crowd isn't as frantic. It's not as panicked. It's not as aggressive. This time the crowd, they're coming towards Jesus as has often happened. And there's someone in the middle of their crowd that they're kind of holding up and propping together. And they, you can see that this man... He can walk upright, he's not diseased, he has full kind of motor functions, but it's obvious that he is blind. And they come towards Jesus, but Jesus instinctively kind of moves away from the main city center, kind of on the outskirts, and the crowd just kind of meets Jesus, just kind of outside, and they say, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, please, our friend, he needs your touch. He's blind, he can't see, he needs you. And so Jesus says, okay. And so Jesus takes the man's hand, and as he's done before, he takes the man farther away from the crowd, farther away from the city, to where they're secluded and they're alone. And so if you're standing, the disciples, they're kind of hanging back, and with the friends, they're kind of, for the second time in a very short time, they're kind of together. The disciples kind of know what's going to happen, and the crowds kind of have this expectation, but the man can't see. And so he's being led 
blindly into this, into this area. And Jesus kind of takes his hands. And I can imagine Jesus kind of looking in the man's face, and you can see the wrinkles in his eyes and the kind of the, the worn look of a, of a hard life lived. And the sadness and the expectation and kind of a, a, a wincing of like the, un, the unsure and the unfamiliar of what's going on. And I can imagine Jesus kind of taking his two hands and holding the man's face in his hands. And then spits right on his eyes. Now, if you were watching this, that's one thing to see this happening. Like in the ancient world, the spit, the spittle would have like sometimes thought of being magic or part of a healing process. It wouldn't have been that maybe unfamiliar to see. But imagine if you were the man and you had no idea that that was coming and all of a sudden you just feel a spray of saliva on your face. Well, then Jesus takes his two hands, his, his two fingers, and he just touches the man's eyes. A second very weird sensory thing that would have happened for this man. He feels this spit on his face. He heard the sound. He feels the spit. And now someone's touching his face. That probably hadn't happened in a long, long time. And Jesus takes his fingers off the man's eyes and Jesus asks the man, what do you see? Now, if you hadn't seen for a long time, I don't imagine this just, you know, Poo. there's a slow, gradual, opening up of the eyes, a blurriness, a partial vision. The man looks out. I can't help but think that the first thing that he saw is, is the kind of the figure, the silhouette, the blurred silhouette of Jesus standing right before him. But as he's looking out, he sees people in the distance. He says, I, I see people, but they look like walking trees. I see, I see walking, moving trees. So Jesus takes his hands again and touches the man's eyes again. Now, open your eyes. What do you see? Mark says it so beautifully. He says, The man looked hard and realized that he had perfect sight. He saw everything in bright 20-20 focus. And I can't help but think he was overcome with emotion, with joy, with this realization that he could see. Not partially, not blurred, perfect vision. And as he's overcome with joy, I'm sure his friends are watching from afar and they, they can see what's happening and they become excited with him. Maybe they start running towards him and Jesus says, now be careful. Don't go to the city. Go home. Avoid the crowd. Just go home. Do you think he listened? Do you think he had any kind of capacity to understand what Jesus was asking him to do? I'm not sure. But the man was healed. 20-20 vision. This story is really fascinating to me, personally. Uh, because I, I see these like parental overtones and undertones in this story of Jesus, like just frustration with these disciples. But I actually, now most of you won't know this, 
I particularly apologize to the people on my left because I'm basically blind in my left eye. I had an accident in high school and I have, I have like 20, 2300 vision in my left eye. I can't really see out of it, so I often favor the right. Um, you're my favorite people, no offense. Just because I just see you clearly. This is kind of a blind spot and it makes, I have really no depth perception and it makes playing sports really difficult and it's a really great excuse when you don't succeed in basketball. But I, I, I've had contacts over the years, but they just don't work because they fall off my eye. But this week, I got a contact. A big, old, big, huge contact that sits on the white of my eye and restores my vision to 2030. And I realize it's really, really difficult to put in. I have like, there's like plungers and for real, 100%. Like, it's a really hard thing to do. I haven't even begun to master it. But I realized as I put this thing in my eye and my vision is restored, I realized I had never actually seen my daughter with both working eyes before. And so I put the contact in and I, I call Mercy over to me. And I'm looking at my own kid with my own eyes. And I can see her and the curve of her face and how, how tiny she is, how small her, her limbs are. And her little cute nose, I'd never actually seen that before. And it was overwhelming. And so in a very small, very small way, I kind of get this man, like, this is life-changing. A whole world opened up because of the touch of Jesus. And it's interesting because I don't think Jesus, he didn't heal the man twice over because Jesus doesn't have power to heal. He slow walks this thing. He does this on purpose. What do you see? I see walking trees. I don't see fully, Jesus. I don't see fully, clearly what's in front of me. There's a partial understanding, a partial, a partial vision. So Jesus touches them again. Now what do you see? I see clearly. I see perfectly. I see 20-20 vision. What was about to happen in the next coming days, the disciples would walk up a mountain and they'd walk towards a, a village and, and they have this, this idea of who Jesus is. They see a partial reality of who Jesus is, but they do not yet see who Jesus is. They do not have full 2020 vision. And Jesus is slow walking them into a fuller realization, a fuller clarity of who he is what he's about, what he's doing on earth, where he's working. And so Mark, I believe, is asking us today, do you see Jesus? Do you see him in full focus? And if you don't, do you want to? And are you patient to wait for the master's healing hands to give you full sight. So again, just let this sink. You can even close your eyes if you want. You can, you can bow your heads. Just let the words kind of enter uh, your mind and just see Jesus. I'll read it twice and then we'll pray. It's coming from Mark 8, 13. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees 
and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't go into the village. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. Do you still not understand? They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, Don't go into the village. If there was a word or a phrase or an idea or a picture that popped out to you that resonates with you, 
I would encourage you to write that down, put it in your journal, pray through it, have conversation with Christ. And as, as you do that even now, let's just, uh, let's just, let's pray. Jesus, I pray that we would have sight to see. Jesus, I thank you that you've given us vision. I think you came to the world like, like a moonbeam. You just glared the love and the light of God everywhere you went. And it's almost impossible not to see the light. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to open up our eyes, that you would continue to, to touch us, to give us, to give us full sight, to see full, full, fully clearly who you are, the love that you bring, the life that you give, the, the paths that you lead us on, the places that you show us to go the work that you're doing that we're invited to be a part of. Jesus, I pray for full vision and full clarity. In your name, amen. Would you stand? As we think about going into this week and what Amos has just shared with us and who Jesus is and how much he knows us um, and he knows our situations. This morning, you know, th things we've got people, I think now a lot of us know more people that are struggling with COVID than the whole two years before. It just seems so rampant. Um, we know people that are struggling with health issues, um, different different situations but the promise we have the rock that we can stand on is that Jesus knows us he knows exactly what you're facing in your life and in your heart and that is a promise that we can rest in and find peace in let's sing about it
Go with Jesus, go with full clarity and 2020 vision, and uh, see him working in your life. Have a great afternoon, and pray for spring.